This morning, I, I'm going to bring a message from the Word of God from the book of the Revelation. And I'll call this message Worthy of Worship. Uh, two or three weeks, I prayed over this and prayed over this as the Lord was guiding my heart. And so I, I felt really, I, I started to tell Bill to, to put up all of the bullets and points, but I just want you to listen to the Word this morning. I want you to hear it. So I'm going to read, my chap, if you want to grab your Bible, turn to the fifth chapter of the Revelation. I meet each, or every other Thursday morning, first and third uh, Thursday mornings, with a group of people like me that believe in the, uh, the latter days. We study prophecy. That's what we do every Thursday morning from 9 till 11, every other Thursday, first and third Thursday. We meet. It's about 12, 13 of us, sometimes 14, 15, sometimes 9 or 10. But all we discuss is prophecy. And as we began recently studying prophecy, again, we noticed uh, how the prophecy that we're studying is being fulfilled in our midst right now. We're, we're living in prophetic days. The things that are happening right now around the world are recorded for us in the Bible. And they're there because of one person. Who would that be? Jesus. Amen. You know why? Because this book, this book right here, is a book about him. From the book of, the, of Genesis to the book of the Revelation, this book is about Jesus Christ. Well, they, they apparently went and came back. <laughs> they knew about it. You just didn't know. <laughs> that's no problem. That is, that's no problem at all. <clears throat> Before I get into my text, I want to read a couple of verses for you from the fourth chapter, uh, beginning with verse 8 in, in chapter 4 of the book of the Revelation. And the four beasts, each had them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him and sat at the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lived forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. These four heavenly creatures that are, we're reading about here in the latter part of the fourth chapter are in heaven. And as they fly through the heaven, they're, they're, they got one thought in mind, and that thought is worship. And they cry, and, and as they go flying through the heavens, they cry, holy, holy, holy. Why? Because Jesus Christ, our Lord, is holy, and he's worthy of all the praise and all the honor 
that we could possibly bring to him. He is, he is God. He is God who, who left heaven, who came to the earth, walked around here for about 33 years, went to the cross, shed his blood, died for you, resurrected from the dead, has ascended back to heaven. He's there right now in heaven. And one of these days, if, if you know him intimately, personally, if you know him, I don't mean know about him. We all know about him. Lost people know about him. You can study about him in Islam. They know about him. But the question is, do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ? Because you see, Jesus is worthy. And we can join with these four beings, these heavenly creatures, cherubim, seraphim, flying through the heaven, and, and, and we can join with them saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And we worship. And why would we say he is worthy of worship? Now, here's where I want you to turn in your Bible, chapter 5. We're going to worship him because of who he is. Look at verse 1 and read with me there. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book, written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. John is weeping. His heart is broken. And, 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 he, and he's crying because he, he wants to know what's in that book. He wants to know what's been written down there. And there's nobody, nobody available, nobody around, nobody worthy to open that book. Sealed with the seven seals. No one can open it. And, and his heart is broken because John has been, has the privilege, he's been lifted up to heaven. He, he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos and, and and now uh, he met Jesus there, and then the door was open. And they said, come up here. And so John went up, and he's in heaven, and he's seeing all this. It's a heavenly scene. And his, his heart breaks because no one can open that seal. But he's worthy of worship because of who he is. Who is he? Who is he? Who is he that's worthy to open the seal? Well, let's look. Look at verses 5, 6, and 7. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, a lamb, as if he had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. We worship him because of who he is. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Judah was one of the 12 sons of Israel. Judah was the first one to lead the 12 tribes. God promised, God promised in his word that, that the Messiah would come from a tribe whose symbol was a lion. And this would be Judah. And Jesus 
is a descendant of Judah. If you take his line all the way back, you'll find him back to the tribe of Judah. But when he returns, after the tribulation, let me chase a rabbit right here. The tribulation is not anywhere recorded. The word tribulation does not appear in the Bible. Uh, nor does rapture appear in the Bible. But when it all happens, what, something's going to happen here. Uh, could be soon. The eastern sky is going to roll away. And he who has ascended to heaven, Jesus, is coming back. He's coming back, and he's coming back for you if you're born again. If you're saved, if you have trusted him fully and are believing in him and him only for your salvation, not Jesus in your baptism or Jesus in your church membership or Jesus in what you give or Jesus in your service. It's Jesus, only Jesus and just Jesus. We're just saying it. There's something about that name. It's just Jesus. After the tribulation, when he returns, he'll come back as a lion. God also told David that that his line would be followed up. He told him the Messiah would be one of his descendants. He told it to David. Well, what do we find here in this text? The root of David. If you want to trace back his mother's earthly line, you'll find that she is in the line of David. All of this points to one thing. We have a God who's worthy of our praise. Secondly, in back in verse 6, there stood a lamb as it had been slain. 2,000 years or so, 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus was here. He was on the earth. He had a ministry, three years. And uh, he had a cousin named John who preceded him and was baptizing in the River Jordan. He was, he was uh, Elijah the prophet, in advance, preparing the way. And John is baptizing. Can't you just picture it? Let your mind go. Here's John. He's standing waist deep into Jordan. By the way, my wife and I had the privilege of going there back in 86, and, and I was baptized in the Jordan. I baptized my wife in the Jordan. But, but just imagine John standing there, and he's baptizing those who are coming repenting of their sins, and he's, he's preaching a baptism of repentance, and they're repenting, and he's baptizing them. And he looks, and there he comes, walking down the trail. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Imagine, and what do we read here? A lamb. A lamb as though he had been, had been slain. Wow. We worship him this morning. We worship him. He's worthy. Who's worthy of worship? Jesus is. Because why? Because he is the one who's coming, who has come, and who's coming again. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb, as if he'd been slain. Secondly, we worship him because of where he is. Well, in our text, look at verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the middle of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. He's in the midst of the throne. What throne? Well, we're in the throne room. John is in the throne room of Almighty God, and there in the midst of the throne, there is King Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. When he comes back, when he returns, written on his garment, on his thigh, we'll see King of kings, Lord of lords. That's who he is. And he is 
standing in the throne room in the midst of it. This is where God is seated. This is the throne room. And where is he? He's in the midst of it, right in the middle. And he's in the midst of the elders. Here's your picture again. There's the throne. And on each side of the throne are the elders sitting on their thrones with the crowns. Who are they? Who are these elders? These elders represent you. They represent you. These are the believers who have been caught up when Jesus raptured his church and they're now in heaven. They are there in heaven around the throne with God. One of these days, if you truly know him, folks, listen, if you've got to know that you know him, if you truly know him, one of these days, you're going to be there with him in heaven. You remember, if you want to study, there are five different crowns that are promised to believers if you earn those crowns. And these 24 elders are wearing their crowns. And, and what are they going to do with those crowns? Well, we're going to see what's going to happen those crowns. He's, they're going to take those crowns and they're going to cast them before the Lord. He's in the midst of the elders, caught up in the rapture. Hey, here it is, the lamb, again, back in that same verse, as though he's been slain. Notice this here. This is a prophetic language. As though he had been slain. They're looking at lamb as though he had been slain. Not that he is dead, because he's not dead. We, he's not laying on the altar. He's not laying on the altar. The altar's there, but he's not laying on the altar. His eyes are wide open. He's, he's there in the midst of all that's going on. Not in a casket. And the Bible says he has seven eyes. He has seven horns. Horns in Scripture. Horns in Scripture is symbolic of power. Now here's Jesus. Uh, all uh, John's Gospel 14 verse 16 I believe he makes a statement. He's talking to his disciples. He, he knows he's about to die. He knows he's going to go back to heaven. He knows he's going to the cross. And he says to his disciples all power is given unto me. All power. Jesus has been given all power. He is omnipotent, which means he has all power. He's omniscient, which means he has all knowledge. He is omnipresent, it means he's here with us today. He's with you right now, wherever you are, you can't go away from him. You can't go into the sea, you can't go in the sky, you can't go anywhere and not be where he is. He's there, he's, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. Seven eyes, he sees everything. Nothing escapes him. Folks, let me tell you something. You can fool your friends. Young people, you can, you can fool your teacher. You can fool your parents. Husband, you can sometimes fool your wife. Wife, you can sometimes fool your husband. You can sometimes fool the preacher. You know what? You can fool a lot of people, but not him. But not him. He knows. He knows everything you do. But watch this. He knows why you do it. He knows what motivates you to do it. 
Every single thing going on in your life right now. You think oh, you've hidden a lot of stuff. You've got a lot of stuff hidden. You've got a secret sin. Nobody knows about it. You don't think anybody knows about it, but he knows. Everything. He's all-knowing, all-wise. He's everywhere. He sees it all. He knows it all. We worship him. We worship him because of who he is. We worship him because of where he is. We worship him because of what he does. Look at your scripture back in verse 8, 9, and 10. And when he had taken the book, and the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, this, this imagine this odor going in a census, and it's rising up to heaven. That's just like your prayers. They go up to heaven if you're praying in faith, believing. And they're, they're going up to the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy. There it is again. Thou art worthy. We're right back to verse 11 of chapter 4. Thou art worthy. Here we see it again. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. One of these days, folks, one of these days we're going we're gonna to reign on the earth Think about this for just a minute, what he does. He's going to make us kings and priests. One of these days, you're going to rule. Did you know that? One of these days, you're going to rule over who knows how many because you're going to be made a king and a priest. We don't have to have a go-between. I was raised a Roman Catholic. 18 years of my life. I'd go to church on Saturday night. I'd walk into a little cubicle. There on the other side would be a priest sitting. I couldn't see him. He couldn't see me. He had a little curtain between us. And I would tell him all of my sins, everything I did. Oh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And these are my sins. I lied three times. I disobeyed twice, blah, blah, blah. Tell him all my sins. And then he would say, whatever your penance was going to be, say five of our fathers, five Hail Marys, whatever you want to tell you, say an act of contrition, and then he would say, Go thy way in peace, my son. Thy sins have been forgiven thee. And I'd leave out of there thinking, Wow, he just forgave my sins. But there was a problem with that. I began to question in my mind, What gave him the authority to forgive my sins? And I realized that, that he didn't have any authority to forgive my sins. He didn't go to a cross. He didn't die. He didn't shed his blood. Yet he's telling me I forgive him. Jesus did that. He went to the cross. He hung on the cross. He shed his blood. And now, I still confess my sins. But I don't confess to a man. I don't confess to a priest. I confess to him. I tell Jesus. Why? Because he said... If thou shalt confess thy sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You're forgiven. You can go to heaven. You're cleansed as though they haven't happened. He wipes them away. I'll put your sins as far from you as the east is from the west. I'll, I'll put your sins behind my back and I'll remember them no more. You tell Jesus the same sin twice. He doesn't know what you're talking about the second time. He said, I remember them no more. Not that he can't remember. He just chooses not to remember. That's, the, that's the, the loving God that we serve. We don't have to worry about it. We will be priests. We don't need anyone else to go before us. We have him. He opened the book. Remember John. He's heartbroken. He's weeping in heaven. His tears are streaming down his face. 
but nobody's worthy to open the book. And then the angel says, don't weep, John, don't weep. And he comes and he opens the book. He opens the seal. He takes and opens it. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. Thou art worthy. There it is again. Worthy of worship. We worship him because of who he is. We worship him because of where he is. We worship him because of what he does. They sing a new song. What kind of a song would this be as they're singing in heaven? I can imagine. You know, there's beautiful music this morning. I love the music. By the way, thank you for the music. I love the music this morning. They sang a new song. It was a worship song. They sang, Thou art worthy. Can you just see yourself saying that? For Jesus, thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, Jesus. You are worthy. It was a worship song. It was a gospel song. Because for thou was slain. We search our hymn books. We find those wonderful songs about the blood. You know, the Baptists have been called a bloody religion because we, we sing about the blood. Washed in the blood. Who can, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's a, it's a beautiful worship song. It's a beautiful praise song. It's a beautiful gospel song. The word gospel comes from the Greek language, means good news. I've got good news for you. Four times in your Bible you have the book called The Gospel of, The Gospel of, The Gospel of. It's the gospel written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it's the gospel of Jesus. It's the good news of Jesus that he did what he did for you, that he died for you. It's a missionary song. A missionary song. Yeah, he said, out of every kindred and tongue and people. I love the fact that your church is doing mission work. You have the, here you're doing the mission work, and you have the mission work. All of these things that you're doing for these organizations, that's missions. We have this song that they're singing. It's a missionary song. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop doing mission work. I'm studying through Luke's gospel right now. And Jesus just sent out the 72, two by two, going out. And what were they going out to do? Mission work. They were out to heal, to, to praise God. And, and they were going where they could. Sick people were being healed and, and deaf people were beginning to hear and blind people were able to see because they were doing mission work. And this is a missionary song. Oh, we worship him. He's worthy of worship because of who he is, because of where he is, because of what he does. He's worshiped. Worthy of worship because of what he has. Because of what he has. Look at verses 11 through 14. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the numbers of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands and thousands. Wow, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. I don't know. I would have figured that up. Sometimes I'm going to get a calculator and figure out how many that is. But just look at it again. Number of them that was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, here it is, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory 
and power be to him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And watch this. And the four and the twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that lived forever and ever. Well, he's worthy, all right. He's worthy because of who he is. He's worthy because of where he is. He's worthy because of what he does. He's worthy because of what he has. What does he have? Well, he received power. I, I, I love that word because that, that word is so important in Scripture. I mentioned a minute ago in John 14, 16, all authority is given to me, all power. He said, I will give you power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be what? My witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. You are empowered. Now, here's the thing about his power. Because he has his power, he has the power to forgive your sins. Think about it. What did you do to deserve heaven? Nothing. Not a thing. What can you do to get to heaven? Nothing. You can't work your way there. You can't buy your way there. You can't give enough to the church to get there. There's not enough good works for you to do. No matter what you do, you cannot get to heaven. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you being saved through faith. That not of yourself, it's a gift of God. It's not of works. Lest any man should boast. How can't you see us up in heaven bragging about why we're there? You know, well, I led the music at Bethel Baptist Church for you, Jesus, and I was, everybody thought that, you know, and suddenly one of the deacons come, yeah, but, yeah, hell did that, but look what I did. I, I went and received the offering every Sunday, I was there every Sunday, and all of them, they're bragging in heaven, why we're there. Here comes Brother Mike, Brother Mike says, well, I preached it, 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 for, for 43 years, I, I ministered the gospel, and aren't I wonderful? No, no, none of that's going to happen. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. I was preaching revival one time in church. Met a little girl walking down the hallway. She coming down, and she had a Sunday school pin. I don't, they don't have these anymore, but she had a Sunday school pin right up here. It was hanging down about right here. And she said, "Look at there." I said, "What is that?" She said, "My Sunday school pin. I haven't missed Sunday school in 17 years." I said, "Wow, that's really great." I said, you're really, you're really active in the Lord. How many people you wanted Jesus? Huh? She said, huh? <laughs> what? You know, how many people, I, I, don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to say it anyway. Sorry. How many people did you win to Jesus last year? How many times did you even try? Jesus has power and authority. And he sent us out when he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. He has the power to forgive our sins. He has the power to infill us with the ability to go and share the gospel with lost people everywhere. Folks, there's nothing I would rather do, and I mean this with all of my heart. I'd rather share the gospel with an unsaved person they the biggest stake in town. I'd much rather do that. Here he is. When I looked at this verse and I said, he receives power, but wait a minute. He receives power and riches. That's God's wealth. 
Jesus said, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. He, he has God's wealth. He owns it all. There's nothing that you have that belongs to you. It all belongs to him. You're just a steward of what he has given you. He, he, it all belongs to him, and he has given wisdom. That's his counsel. Isaiah tells us that we have a wonderful counselor in Jesus Christ. When we have counsel, you know what we do? We go to, we go to our, our friends first. We go to family. We go to our lawyer. We go to everyone. And it, well, nothing, I can't seem to get an answer. I think I'll pray about it. Hello? Why didn't we do that first? Why, why, you know, we have a wonderful counsel. We have a Lord, Jesus Christ, who's waiting on us. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call upon me and I will answer you. He said, I don't put the phone down. When you call, I'm answering you. I'm talking back. He has given counsel to us. Strength. He has the strength. We talking about moving mountains this morning. That's what we have. That's what he has given the power to move mountains and honor, rewards of God's and from his people, and glory, splendor, and royal dignity. Blessings. Blessings. We, we don't even realize, stop and think sometimes. He blesses us, but we can bless him back. We can, we can bless him back. But by what we do, what we say, what we're, where we go, the way we behave, we can bless him back. We can worship him with heavenly worship. Oh, he is so worthy. I hope this morning that you, you have fallen madly in love with Jesus Christ. You know, if you haven't, then would you ask yourself a question, why, why don't I? Why don't I love him like he loves me? He loves you so much. They'd lay down his life for you. You know, one of these days, if you're like me, I, hey, I'm 77 years old. I don't know how many more years I'm going to be here. Maybe none. Maybe, maybe this is my last year. I don't know. One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to go to heaven. If you're born again, blood-washed, spirit-filled Christian, you're born again and you're on your way to heaven when you die. And when you get there, you can join with the four and the twenty elders. And those four angelic creatures flying through the heaven calling, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You'll be joined with them. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. You don't have to wait to worship him. You can do it now. You can do it this morning. You can do it right now. Worship him on the earth. Worship Him in your life. Worship Him in your prayer time. Worship Him in your private devotional time. Worship Him in your corporate worship when you come together with other believers. You worship Him in everything you do. Why? Well, I've got a favorite saying. Because it's all about Him. It's all about Him. I preached a sermon when I was pastoring in Mississippi, began on Sunday morning, and I, I told the uh, I told the church I'm going to preach a sermon this morning, and I've titled it "It's All About Him." And I said, uh, I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know when the sermon ends. It ended 19 Sundays later. 19 Sundays later, I preach it's all about Him. Because it is. Do you know him? Do you know him intimately, personally? Have you, have you had a, a, an intimate meeting with him? You know, my meeting happened 53 years ago. 
at the foot of the altar, First Baptist Church in Cottyville, Tennessee. On my knees right here. Me and the pastor. Me and the pastor. He reached in his pocket and took out a little New Testament. He said, Mike, have you ever been saved? I said, I don't know what that means. And he showed me those wonderful scriptures. And he asked me, would I be willing to pray with him and invite Jesus Christ into my life? And I told him I'd be willing to do anything, anything at all to get out from under this conviction I was under. He said, just pray with me. Pray with me. And, and there, on that Sunday morning, May 9th, 1965, I met Jesus. He, he flooded into my life. He, he just came right in and took up residency. And then he fulfilled a promise that he made to me and to you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And for 53 wonderful years, he's honored his promise. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. Do you know him? It's all about him. We're going to have a hymn of invitation this morning. And it's called, I think, Without Him. Oh, I love this song. Without Him. Without him. Uh, a little testimony here. When I joined that church, First Baptist Church there in Cuyville, Tennessee, I sang in the choir and I, I did all of those things. There was the president of the Brotherhood and teaching the RA boys and all of these things I was doing. And the minister of music asked me to sing a solo part of that song. We were going to, the choir was going to sing without him. And he asked me to do the solo part in it. I was scared to death. Still am. I'm scared to sing. I'm scared to preach. Because I never know. But folks, listen to me. Without him, you, there's nothing you can do. If you don't know him, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll stay as long as need be. We'll get on our knees right here in the front of this church. And you can give your heart to Jesus. You can be saved. You don't need to go out of here lost. And you know if you're not saved. You know if you're not. Don't leave here in a lost condition. If you don't know that you know that you know, if the rapture took place right now and he returned, that you'd go with him. Or if you died right now, that you know you'll be with him. Let's stand and pray.